In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them, and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Lord was my support in the day of my calamity. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. For this I will sing, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord was my support in the day of my calamity. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee, for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord, thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, since you never fail to help those and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, work in us in a perpetual fear, the love of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
the Old Testament lesson this for the second Sunday after the Trinity is written in the ninth chapter of the Proverbs of Solomon, beginning at the first verse. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. She has sent out her young women to call. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Whoever lacks sense, she says, come and eat my bread. Drink the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the, in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. He who reproves a wicked man incurs injuries. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. The epistle lesson is written in the second chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, beginning at the 13th verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you, have, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off, the peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah! I will give to the Lord the thanks due his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is written in the 14th chapter of St. Luke, beginning at the 20, the 15th verse. And then one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, and he said to them, Blessed is every one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. 
They all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out to see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and I therefore cannot come. So the, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. And bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Lord, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Built on the rock, the church doth stand, even when steeples are falling. Crumbled half spas in every land, bells still are chiming and calling. Calling the young and old to rest, but above all the souls distressed, Longing for rest everlasting. Surely in temples made with hands, God the Most High is not dwelling. High above earth his temple stands, 
All earthly temples excelling, yet he whom hand cannot contain chose to abide on earth with man, built in our bodies his temple. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was, however, a general belief that no one would come to her aid. For she was a Jew, a Jewess, accused of sorcery, and the knights, instigated by the head of the Templars, Malvosi, whispered to each other that the time had come to declare the pledge of Rebecca forfeit and to take her and burn her at the stake, which is the fate of sorcerers in England back then. But at this instant, a knight appeared, urging his horse to speed. He appeared on the plain, and he was advancing towards the list. A hundred voices proclaimed, a champion, a champion! And despite the presuppositions and prejudices of the multitude, They shouted unanimously that a knight was riding into the tilt yard. The second glance, however, served to destroy the hope. The knight's horse, urged for many miles, appeared to reel from fatigue, and the rider seemed scarce able to support himself in the saddle. To the summons of the herald, who demanded his rank and name and purpose, the strange knight answered readily. He said, I am a good knight and noble. And I have come hither to sustain with lance and sword the just and lawful quarrel of this damsel, Rebecca, the daughter of Isaac of York, to uphold the doom pronounced against her, to be false and truthless, and to defy Sir Brian de Bois Gilbert as a traitor and a murderer and a liar. And I will prove in this field with my body against his by the aid of God. My name, said the knight, raising the visor of his helmet. My name is William of Ivanhoe. No one expected a Jewish outcast to find a champion in a trial by combat. But she did. A Christian knight, a Saxon knight called William of Ivanhoe stood forth and defended her and defeated, defeated her enemy, proved her cause just. And no one thought that the the man who gave the banquet in Jesus' story would be able to find people to come to his meal after all those who were invited at the last minute decided not to come. But he did. He did find guests for his banquet, just as Rebecca of York, Rebecca of York, found a champion. So the homeowner found, found guests for his great banquet. And just like Rebecca was an outcast, so the homeowner in today's, today's uh, lesson found outcasts as well. That's exactly what he did. We read in our gospel lesson how a certain man gave a great banquet and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to all those who were invited, come for everything is ready. 
they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and inspect it. I ask that you have me excused. Another said, I have gotten five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I pray you have, have me excused. The final one said, oh, I have married a wife and I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. When the master of the house heard it, he was enraged. He was enraged. But he said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, that my banquet might be full. It's amazing, isn't it? And what's so amazing about the, the response of the homeowner is how he reacts to the original snub from the original guests. Because the way that the way the um, the original guests behave, it, it is clear evidence that this, this, this refusal was a coordinated effort to sabotage the great banquet. Because a banquet that Jesus is talking about would have been very, very expensive. It would have been thousands of dollars in today's money. It would have taken you know, weeks to prepare, to get the right ingredients, to get everything together. It was, it was a significant investment. And it's one where if you were invited, you were expected to give your assent that you would be there. And it was a commitment, a firm commitment. Otherwise, they would have made the meal. So this everybody not come at the last moment seems to be coordinated in such a way as to, as to, as to sabotage the, the event, to, to make it a failure because, you know, the homeowner can't find, possibly find replacements for a banquet in such a short time. But they're wrong. He does. He does. And he does two things, two things that are unpredictable. Because though he's predictably outraged, he doesn't retaliate. No. He doesn't retaliate. And that's what everybody would expect. That he would, in his humiliation, lash out and take revenge. But he doesn't. And secondly, the host reaches out to the people that the ones he, was origi- he originally invited would never think to eat with, would never think to invite into their homes. He reaches out to those people, the rejected outcasts of society, and just brings them all in and sits them down at the tables and gives them all a great meal. In other words, his response to his humiliation is grace and not vengeance. He turns to invite the outcast of the city, the poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame. And they're from the city, which means that they're part of the Hebrew community. But they're the outcast of the Hebrew community. They're the ones that the good, the good upstanding religious Pharisees and scribes and priestly casted people would never, ever, ever invite into their homes. Clearly, these categories symbolize the outcasts of Israel who were attracted to and welcomed Jesus. While those who saw themselves as good believers ignored Jesus, yes, each type of person carries deep, ironic significance. The first are the lame or the crippled. The, the, the kolus lame or the crippled. These are the physically blemished who were barred because of their infirmities from participation in the full temple worship. 
They had to live on the fringes of the temple. They had, to, they had to literally eat the religious crumbs that fell from the temple's table. Additionally, the poor, these, the poor were not invited to banquets. The maimed could not get married. No one wanted to marry a lame, a lame man who couldn't provide for a wife. The blind didn't go out into the fields. And the maimed, the maimed couldn't test oxen. So we must note how these emergency guests cannot ever repay the host for his generous invitation. No, they are receiving everything by grace. God's merciful grace, for that's really who the homeowner is. He's the one giving merciful grace. While those abstaining, while, while at the same time, he abstains from revenge against those who deserve it. And while we've already looked at the maim. The other guests also bear a more, a more considered scrutiny. Consider, for instance, the poor. The poor. Who are the poor? Well, there's several words in the Greek for poor in the Greek Bible, but the one that Jesus uses here is a very specific word. It means somebody who is destitute. Destitute. He leads the life of a beggar. Now, some beggars are people who will just, they don't want to work, and they they basically prey on others. They, you know, basically steal, you know, intimidate others and steal and rob them. But, but these aren't those kind of beggars. These are people who have lost their property and now wander about in great unhappiness and are despised. These are the people that Jesus invites into his banquet or the homeowner invites into his banquet. Those who are destitute, unhappy, and despised, who know they have lost everything. And then we have to consider the crippled and the blind. The word for blind, tuflos, refers, can refer to a man or an animal who cannot see. But I'm not sure that's exactly the reference that's being given to us here in the scriptures, today's lesson. I think that Jesus really, though he doesn't exclude physical blindness, I think he's really reaching out towards spiritual blindness. The blindness of a man or a woman who has, has perfectly functional eyes but cannot see the reality that they are sinners, that they cannot save themselves, that they must be saved by God's grace through faith or not at all. It's those people that Jesus, I think, is reaching out to and describing here in this parable. Because according to the New Testament, the blind are those who cannot understand the signs of Jesus or perceive his divine origins. They look at him upon the cross and they just don't get it. And never will. Their fault is that they think they can see because their eyes are functional, but they are spiritually blind. Yes, we see this in 1 John 2.11 where Jesus tells us through, through the Apostle John that he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Yes, only God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. The darkness, and, and, and the darkness does not overcome it. That's Jesus, Jesus alone. Therefore, the blind in this parable are perhaps all of us blinded by our sins and our hatreds of each other. 
we think we know the truth of things, yet those who abide in Jesus' word are the only ones who know the truth. That sets them free. Finally, then there's the crippled, the crippled, the maimed, or the maimed. Almost always the maimed or crippled, this word appears with someone who's blind. It's always the blind and the maimed. Yes, these two conditions seem to coincide because a person who can't see will increasingly become injured. And so it is with one who is spiritually blind. The spiritually blind continually fall into sins that cripple them spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. And how often have we crippled ourselves with our sins? How often have we, have we ourselves looked back with regret and sorrow and shame upon our own lives? How, how many of us have prayed with King David in, in Psalm 25, 7, Remember not the sins of my youth or the acts of my rebellion in keeping with your faithful love. Remember me because of your goodness, Lord. Or Psalm 51, 1, where God says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving devotion, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. And yet... This is exactly what God the banquet host does. He blots out our transgressions, for our sins make us outcasts. And and so he sends his servants to gather us all out out, out of the roads of the city. Even though we are spiritually maimed, blind, poor, and crippled. Yes, this is the stunning surprise in today's lesson. His offer is unexpected and unpredictable. The thing we think he does, he doesn't do in his humiliation. In fact, because he reaches out to his guests. The the guests that that let him down, and he doesn't reject them. But rather, he goes to those who are rejected and gives them, and gives them mercy. Yes, he does. For God sees human categories, you see, as meaningless. Sure, the Pharisees, The scribes sneered at the people who were invited to the banquet. Yes, in Luke 15, verse 2, they they, they made the observation just a little bit bit later in in the Gospel of Luke. They say, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Yes, yet they fail to grasp that they are no better than the, the sinners that Jesus eats with because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, the host Jesus gives the outcast grace. Grace which the Pharisees, the scribes, the priestly caste, they need as well, but, don't, but are blind to it. Which is why Jesus stresses in Luke 5, 32, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus answered, it is not healthy that the doc- it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it is the sick. Therefore, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not within us. This describes the original guests, the ones who gave excuses and boycotted the banquet. They ironically think they're spiritually healthy. And so they ignore and despise God's gifts of eternal life and forgiveness, while the true sinners, who are aware that they're of their unworthiness, They're aware of their blindness and their lameness and their maimness and their poverty. 
when it comes to God and his righteousness. Why God's servants go to them and bring them into the banquet. They who think and understand their unworthiness. Yes, the truth is told that that even though they are outcasts and all undeserving of God's love, yet God still loves them just as he still loves us who are also undeserving and sinful outcasts from heaven. No, he wants his banquet full and his delicacies of eternal life consumed and enjoyed, which is why the master said to his servant, when the servant said there is still room, he said, well, go out into the highways and hedges and compel to enter that my house may be filled. And these final guests that are compelled from the highways from outside the city are the Gentiles. They're the outcasts that aren't even part of Israel. And they differ from the first group of outcasts only in that they are not Hebrew. But like the Hebrew outcast inside the city, they too are outcasts. And so what Jesus is doing in today's gospel lesson, he is referring to his church, his kingdom, as consisting of two groups. The first group are those native-born Hebrew outcasts. And they are the poor, the blind, the maimed, the crippled. And then the second group are the group that must sleep in the hedges, that sleep outside the Hebrew church. They are the Gentiles, those who must sleep in the hedgerows and along the highways because they have no church, they have no true theological home. And to them, Jesus sends his servants, the church's missionaries. And they go and they bring that which is a light for the Gentiles and the glory of God's people, Yisrael, so that all flesh shall see the salvation of our God, that it is Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. For the uh, time being, we will be doing uh, Sunday school at nine, at 8.45 to about 9.50 uh, every Sunday morning between services. We have resumed our early service for the time, for the next several weeks, it'll be socially distanced. And we ask that people at that service wear a mask and be, avail- and be, be aware of the fact that we're trying to keep that, the socially distanced service for those that are concerned. Um, And then at 10 o'clock, we're going to be going back to a more regular service. We're still going to be distanced, but we're going to bring back most of the music and chanting, and we still encourage people to wear masks uh, for the benefit of those around them, but uh, that is certainly optional as according to CDC guidelines. If you're interested in tuning in to the virtual class that we do, you can can dial 929-436-2866. That's 929-436-2866. The ID, meeting ID, is 175 
756. That's 175-209-756. And then the password is 151730. That's 151730. Just do, make the dial up. It's on Zoom. You'll be prompted to give the meeting ID, followed by the pound sign, then the password, followed by the pound sign. Just follow the prompts, and you'll get right in. Um, and, uh, and then we also, if you want to be in Remind, uh, and you're not in Remind, uh, you uh, simply text uh, at 7D for Delta, 6B for Bravo, D for Delta, to 81010, or download, or download the Remind app, uh, and then you can use, this, you can use the class code uh, at uh, G for Golf, 7, D for Delta, 6, B for Bravo, and D for Delta. Um, if you have any questions or any needs during the week, certainly can email me or call me, Pastor Parsons. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all of our pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our nation, all our people, for Donald, our president, the Congress of the United States, for Kay, our governor, and the legislature of Alabama, for our judges and magistrates and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, Especially we pray this day for Bob and Jackie, Paul and Marga, Eddie and Norma, Kim and Ray and Suzette, Chris and Gail, Therese and Marion, Clayton and Meredith, James and George and Larry and, and Earl and Suzette, for Bob and Mallory, Mark and Cheryl, Jennings and Hank, Sandy and Owen, Bonnie and Megan, Isaac and Esther, Haley and Smitty, Stella and Marilyn, for Patty and Cecil, uh, Michelle and Carl, Karen and Jimmy, Tina and Ainsley, Richard and Kevin, uh, for Colleen and Ron, for Carolyn and, and Mary Ellen, for Brian and Natalie, Thelma and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo, Easton and Janice, for Owen and Doug and Fallon and Colby, for Jamie and Audra and Francis. We also pray for the families of our parish who mourn. Especially we pray this day for the Tryon family, the Linden family, the Nolings family, the Ulrich family, the Dieterding family, the Whitfield family, the Cobus family, the Bolton family, and the Pacey family. And we pray for those in the service of our country's armed forces, especially for Paul, Turner, Paul, Caleb, Hayden, and Mike. And we pray for all of our university students, including Emma, Stanley, Colleen, Griffin, Noah, John, Katie, 
for Dylan and Audrey, for Dylan and Rosalind, Gage and Olivia, Sarah and Olivia. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We call on those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoice and to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray especially this day for uh, the Tryon family at the death of, um, of, uh, of Esther Van Dam. Uh, the, uh, the, the mother of Rick Tryon. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn, upon all who are lonely and desolate. Be thou their comforter and friend, especially we pray for the Tryon family and the, and the Van Dam family and those who mourn the death of, of Mary Esther. We pray that you would give unto them such, such earthly solace as thou seekest to be best for them and to bring them to a full knowledge of thy love and wipe away all their tears. For the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee his peace. Amen. <clears throat>